Now, so I'll just talk about this for a few minutes and then anybody chime in anytime we can go into it. If you want to talk about something else, that's fine also. Um, the fact is we have certain amount of energy within us. How is it being used and for what purpose? So the best possible use is for the development of our own inner reality, of, of our own inner sense of happiness, stability. If, if attention or when attention is placed on energy flow, everything becomes very clear. That if, is energy flowing in a, in a direction that is causing agitation, causing worry, tension, fear, then we, to pull energy out of that and redirect it in areas that are going to be helpful for us makes a lot of sense. And that that is very beneficial. So I, I don't know what comments anybody has about this. Uh, there's a lot to be said about it, certainly. But uh, if you want to say something about it or if you want to make some comments or ask something about it, then be happy to go into it or anything else for that matter. See, in my mind, energy is like a bank account. Now, you've probably heard me say this before, but this makes a lot of sense to me and it makes a lot of sense probably to you also, hopefully. If you have a lot of money in the bank account, like a million dollar bank account, it's a potentiality. It's a certain potentiality to experience the material existence in some way or another using the medium of money. It's an energy, it's a potentiality. Similarly, we have a bank account inside of us, inside every cell of our body, inside the mind, etc. It's an internal and physical and mental bank account. So that bank account, can we keep it intact? See, last two times in our uh, two, uh, these um, uh, sessions that we have done, we have been talking about things like anger, strong emotions, right? If you look at this from a point of view of, of energy, what do we have? There's wastage of energy. Now see the distinction between wastage and best use. In both situations, energy is used. Sachin has certain amount of energy. I can best use my mental, emotional, verbal energy, verbal capacity, mental capacity, emotional capacity. It can be utilized in the best, in good ways, beneficial ways that are going to take my life and others' lives forward, right? This is easy to understand. And then it can also be misused. The same power can be misused and abused. So self-mastery in Angel Wing has very much to do with this distinction between misuse and best use. That distinction in Sanskrit language, we can call it Viveka. Viveka is the discriminative capacity of the intellect between the real and the unreal. That is the Vedanta idea. But now that same idea applied here in our life in terms of energy, since this is, this is a Navratri going on, which is all Shakti Upasana, it's good to talk about energy. That, that application is misuse versus 
best use. Now, in that best use, there is a rejuvenation that can occur naturally, that, that comes about. That rejuvenation of power occurs when we use this power, when we use our mind and our intellect in very nice ways. Here are some examples. Like take family relationships, which we've been talking about last several times. When an individual decides, whatever may be going on in the family, that I, as an individual, as a member of this family, I am going to not misuse my words. Whatever anybody may say, let them say. But the words that come out of my mouth are not going to cause harm to anybody. They're going to be thoughtful, mindful. They're going to see the big picture and then select what to say, what to, how to interact. This is best use. And it leads to personal development. Misuse is this immediate reaction. And then that misuse can turn into abuse also. Anger and nasty language and foul language and all that kind of stuff that can go on. So language, is, language has power. Just, just that one point. The power of words is intense. Whole world... Whole human civilization is running based on the power of words, power is the power of language. So when we use language with anybody in this world, anybody, the Bhagavad Gita is giving a formula. There's a tremendous formula for best communication in the Gita. And that is that anything we speak Ideally, it should meet three criteria. Criteria, It should be truthful, it should be pleasing in the sense, it should be done in a respectful way, and it should be beneficial. It should meet all three criteria at the same time before speaking to anybody. It's, it's difficult to do, not, not necessarily the easiest thing to do. But that's the part of self-mastery, to choose one's words carefully. So, so to not simply react, not simply just give what give or express what's in the mind, but to take a step back. That words and language and, and interaction can be very beneficial for others. It should be truthful also. But you see what happens in, in family relationships. There is so much of this back and forth that goes on. Because... The fundamental respect seems to be just somehow taking a back seat. It's very interesting what happens in families when some outside person comes into the family. Some visitor comes or a guest comes. All of a sudden people are talking nicely to each other. Have you noticed this? Why is that? Why does it require somebody from the outside <laughs> to come in and now everybody is speaking respectful language because they don't want to appear that they're being disrespectful or speaking in a harsh tone in front of the outside person. I've seen this so many times. Oh my God. See, we have to ask ourselves, why does it require somebody from the outside? Actually, we most people in India, Hindu tradition, Indian tradition, you know, you have the temple in the house. 
You see, we have mandir in the house. But has house become mandir? See the difference. When we consider that Paramatma, God, if we believe in God, whichever way, whichever form, whichever approach, he says, Bhagavan is with us in the home. How can we use negative language and negative thinking? And how is this possible? This is one of the big ideas in the Sanatana Dharma, in the Indian tradition and other traditions also. Turn and transform the home into a temple, into a beautiful, loving environment where all that is needed, if you have Guru, make the Guru as part of your family member. If you have Ishta Devata, make the Ishta Devata as part of the family member. See the change that happens. See, in Indian scriptures, there's something called Aham, Aham, Aham Bhav, Aham Mamatva, two words. Aham Mamatva means what? This harmful attachment. Attachment is necessary in family life. If we don't have attachment in family life, how we can even, even interact with each other? How can we support each other, care for each other? Attachment is not the enemy. It is harmful attachment with the ego added for, for setting up conflict. That is the problem. Attachment is actually a doorway into love. But attachment is a beginning, it's not the end. If, if two or three people or four people or five people in the family, they really are, are very deeply attached to each other. Okay, no problem. They support each other, very nice. They care for each other. That is the beginning. It is a beginning of an opening into love. But in many cases, that attachment, the ego gets mixed inside. Ahamamatva, this entanglement and, and the back and forth and resistance and as soon as that begins to happen there's that is that is where the unhappiness comes so see why navratri why durga puja why shakti upasana shiva upasana why, why what is the purpose of all of this thing it is to destroy negativity in, if you go to any Hindu temple in the world, most of the gods or goddesses or the images of the icons or the deities, they have weapons. Bhagwan Shankar has a Trishul. Right? The Sudarshan Chakra is there in the hand of Bhagwan Vishnu. There are weapons on, on nearly almost all the deities. Why is that? What are those weapons? Those weapons are the destruction they are they are shown to destroy our life's problems they, they have other meanings metaphysical meaning i won't go into that but in our life as it is self mastery is foundational it is basic it is it is it is necessary then, then when we come into the family environment, ideally, it, it can be a heavenly place. How can a f family and the home of the family be heavenly? Can it be heavenly? 
It is heavenly when there is pure love and respect and joy. And there is care, affection, sensitivity, tolerance. These are the beautiful qualities. Then heaven is not something outside. It's right with us all the time. And it is this type of development that is possible for us. That is what we are all trying to develop this. And it is a day-by-day progression. One day at a time sequentially we can progress into this that is what that is how the unfoldment of beauty occurs you know to really enjoy life in all of its aspects it necessitates Family unity, family harmony, love, respect, tolerance. And somebody has to start it. One person has to have the courage to be in that state of respect, tolerance, and see the power that, see how others are transformed because of one individual who has the courage to do this. It requires courage to speak respectfully. We don't think of courage that way. We think of courage in terms of battling and all that. But not necessarily. Courage is very positive. So it requires, it necessitates courage to speak respectfully, to think without negativity, to tolerate sahan shakti, sita pragna, you know this tan sitikshasvabharata in the Gita, this this. Uh, this tolerance. How much tolerance? Good amount of tolerance is good for us. Some people say, I don't, cannot tolerate too much. How much do we have to keep tolerating like this? Try tolerance. See where it leads. Don't respond. There's no need to respond right away. And allow others to develop in their own way. These are the beautiful ideas that are universally available for us. This is not anything we don't know. This is already in our life. But it's application. I mean, it's in our mind, I mean. It may not be completely in our life, but it's in our mind at least. Application is everything. Just like how Nimish, you know, he teaches the yoga. He can talk about yoga. He can read books about yoga. But he's application-oriented. He's a practitioner. He's a teacher. He's a guru. He's a master. Why is that? That's yoga. Somebody cannot learn yoga just by reading a book and have information about that. Has never done any asanas, has not done any exercises. No, it doesn't work that way. It's application. You know, there's that old saying, you think or you hear, you forget. You know, but you do, you know. Knowledge is experiential in life. So knowledge, verbal knowledge and information is the beginning. That's okay. But the experience is a whole different ballgame. That is, that is where the rubber hits the, hits the road. That is where actually our application of wisdom comes into play. How much wisdom is, do we really have? It's how much it is applied. <coughs> that is the difference in Sanskrit between information and jnana. 
I might, Sachin might know so many things. But the actual real application at the right time for the benefit of others and for myself without getting distorted, that is called Jnana. And that is the weapon in the hand of the goddess Durga. The weapons that are there, you know, the, the destruction of the asuras, the destruction of the demons and all these ideas that are written in the Puranas. What is all that? It is a destruction from within us of what? Of, of going in the wrong paths. Going on paths that, are, that don't serve us, that are harmful to us. And that wisdom, that knowledge comes and from there it's application. So when the goddess Durga Devi, she's killing the Maisha Asura, the Asura, Maisha Asura Mardini. What is that? That is, that is the wisdom that gets applied exactly at the right time when there is a wrong turn being made to prevent that wrong turn in life. That is called Gnana Shakti. Gnana Shakti Samarudam. Tattva Mala Vibhushitam. That is within us. So that it is internally within us and, and we hold on to that with tremendous tenacity, wisdom, strength, courage. And in that state, self-mastery, personal transformation, human upliftment, the three guiding principles of angel wing, these come about beautifully. They spring up like a beautiful spring that wells up. This is the experience, the anubhav of ananda, of joy. That anubhav of ananda, it grows. It's interest upon interest. It's like that million dollar bank account. It it because of the large amount of money in there, it gathers more interest. That it gathers, and then the more interest you get, the more interest you still get upon that. That's just an easy financial example, easy to understand. That's why I use that. It's like that. The ananda, it grows because of wisdom. Wisdom is jnana. And that wisdom is enjoined with love naturally. Love and wisdom always walk together. They are married together. You cannot have one without the other. Impossible. The love in the family. You know, it, many times in the Indian tradition, there is sometimes a misunderstanding. This is all Maya, family is Maya. This is, where in the scriptures it is written, where anybody in the original Sanatana Dharma scriptures, anybody has written family is Maya. I, want, I challenge anybody to find even one place where it says that. That is not definition of Maya. People say, oh, I'm attached to this person and this problem is there and this is all Maya and these people I should... So, so, so then you, I would leave the home and go and become a sannyasi and do... Well, yeah, that's a different path. But that's not Maya. What is Maya? The concept of Maya. Maya, one of the beautiful ways to understand Maya is that when we are trying to connect with pure love, you can say towards God, but we can just say pure love also. When we are trying to open that dimension of pure love, anything within us that obstructs us from that opening of that dimension into prema, into love. 
that is Maya. This is an extracted definition that we can find from the from the teachings of many many individuals, because people use this word Maya like you know like yeah, it's used in this way. It's used in a wrong way, in fact. The thing that family relationship is Maya. No. Not at all. In fact, family, harmony, stability, unity, love, affection, care, tolerance, all such qualities in the family will take us out of Maya. That is why in the Shaiva Sampradayas, the, the Shiv and Shakti Upasana, Bhagwan Shankar is a great yogi and he is a great enjoyer also. It's called Yoga and Bhog. They are mixed together. That is the Shiva. That is only Shiva is the Yogeshwar. Why? He's the greatest of all teachers. Why? Because he knows how to mix both together. That he's the greatest yogi of the highest caliber, Mahadeva. And he is also the greatest enjoyer as Nataraja, as the greatest dancer. As the greatest lover. Do we ever think of Shiva as a lover? Absolutely. Look at the Ardha Nareshwar Swarupa. That is a guide for the Grahasthas. That the link between the male and the female, the link between the partners, it should be fused from inside. That is called Ardha Nareshwar Swarupa. What a tremendous thing this is. Even in the, in the, even in the temples, we have this ceremony that is done, in, particularly in the South temples, South Indian temples, called Kalyanam. It's a marriage between Radha, Krishna, Shiva, Shakti, Sita, Ram, etc. The, you know, the, the gods, are, they get married. Why? It's, it's our marriage at our level and our marriage with God. Bhagavan ke saath marriage. Anyway, we are at closing time right now. It is uh, just a blessing. Wish everybody happy Navratri. And uh, kind of stop here for this.